0: Chapter Nine of *The Red Badge of Courage*, an episode of the American Civil War. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mike Vendetti. *The Red Badge of Courage*, an episode of the American Civil War by Stephen Crane. Chapter Nine. The youth fell back in the procession until the tattered soldier was not in sight. Then he started to walk on with the others, but he was amid wounds. The mob of men was bleeding. Because of the tattered soldier's question, he now felt that his shame. Could be viewed. He was continually casting sidelong glances to see if the men were contemplating the letters of guilt he felt burned into his brow. At times he regarded the wounded soldiers in an envious way. He conceived persons with torn bodies to be peculiarly happy. He wished that he, too, had a wound, a red badge of courage. The spectral soldier was at his side like a stalking reproach. The man's eyes were still fixed in a stare into the unknown. His gray, appalling face had attracted attention in the crowd, and men, slowing to his dreary pace, were walking with him. They were discussing his plight, questioning him, and giving him advice. In a dogged way he repelled them, signing to them to go on, leave him alone. The shadows of his face were deepening, and his tight lips seemed holding in check the moan of great despair. There could be seen a certain stiffness in the movements of his body, as if he were taking infinite care not to arouse the passion of his wounds. As he went on, he seemed always looking for a place, like one goes to choose a grave. Something in the gesture of the man, as he waved the bloody and pitying soldiers away, made the youth start as if bitten. He yelled in horror, tottering forward, he laid a quivering hand upon the man's arm. As the latter slowly turned his wax-like features toward him, the youth screamed, "'God! Jim Conklin!' The tall soldier made a little commonplace smile. "'Hello, Henry,' he said. The youth swayed on his legs and glared strangely. He stuttered and stammered, uh, "'Jim! Jim! Oh, Jim!' The tall soldier held out his gory hand. There was a curious red and black combination of new blood and old blood upon it. Where you been, Henry? he asked. He continued in a monotonous voice. I thought maybe get killed over. There been thunderin' to pay today. I was worrying about it a good deal. The youth still lamented. Oh Jim Oh Jim, oh Jim You know, said the tall soldier i was out there he made a careful gesture lord what a circus by jiminy i got shot i got shot yes by jiminy i got shot he reiterated this fact in a bewildered way as if he did not know how it came about the youth put forth anxious arms to assist him but the tall soldier went firmly on as if propelled since the youth's arrival as a guardian for his friend the other wounded men had ceased to display much interest they occupied themselves again in dragging their own tragedies toward the rear suddenly as the two friends marched on the tall soldier seemed to be overcome by a terror his face turned to a semblance of gray paste he clutched the youth's arm and looked all about him as if dreading to be overheard then he began to speak in a shaking whisper I tell you what i'm afraid of henry i'll I'll tell you what i'm afraid of i'm afraid i'll fall down and and then you know them damned artillery wagons they'd like as not to run over me that's what i'm afraid of the youth cried out at him hysterically i'll take care of you jim i'll take care of you i swear to god i will sure will you henry tall soldier beseeched "'Yes, yes, I tell you, I'll take care of you, Jim,' protested the youth. He could not speak accurately because of the gulpings in his throat. But the tall soldier continued to beg in a lowly way. He now hung babe-like to the youth's arm, his eyes rolled in the wildness of his terror. "'I was always a good friend to you, wasn't I, Henry? i always been a pretty good feller, ain't I? And it, it ain't much to ask, is it?' just to pull me along out there on the road. I'd do it for you, wouldn't I, Henry?" He paused in a piteous anxiety to await his friend's reply. The youth had reached an anguish where the sobs scorched him. He strove to express his loyalty, but he could only make fantastic gestures. However, the tall soldier seemed suddenly to forget all those fears. He became again the grim, stalking specter of a soldier. He went stonily forward. The youth wished his friend to lean upon him, but the others always shook his head and strangely protested. No. 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 Leave me be. Leave me be. His look was fixed again upon the unknown. He moved with mysterious purpose. And all of the youth's offers he brushed aside. No. No. Leave me be. Leave me be. The youth had to follow. Presently the latter heard a voice talking softly near his shoulders. Turning, he saw that it belonged to the tattered soldier. "'You'd better take him out of the road, partner. There's a battery coming, belly-whoop, down the road, And, and he'll get runned over. He's a goner anyhow in about five minutes. You can see that. You'd better take him out of the road. Where the blazes does he get his strength from?' "'Lord knows!' cried the youth. He was shaking his hands hopelessly. He ran forward presently and grasped the tall soldier by the arm. "'Jim! Jim!' he coaxed. "'Come with me!' The tall soldier weakly tried to wrench himself free. "'Huh?' he said vacantly. He stared at the youth for a moment. At last he spoke as if dimly comprehending. "'Oh, in the fields? Oh!' He started blindly through the grass. The youth turned once to look at the lashing riders, and jouncing guns of the battery. He was startled, from this view, by a shrill outcry from the tattered man, "'God, he's running!' Turning his head swiftly, the youth saw his friend running in a staggering and stumbling way toward a little clump of bushes. His heart seemed to wrench itself, almost free from his body at this sight. He made a noise of pain. He and the tattered man began a pursuit. There was a singular race. When he overtook the tall soldier, he began to plead with all the words he could find. Jim, Jim, what are you doing? What makes you do this way? You hurt yourself. The same purpose was in the tall soldier's face. He protested in a dull way, keeping his eyes fastened on the mystic place of his intentions. No, no, don't touch me. Leave me be. Leave me be. The youth aghast and filled with wonder at the tall soldier began quiveringly to question him. "'Where you going, Jim? What are you thinking about? Where are you going? Tell me, won't you, Jim?' The tall soldier faced about as upon relentless pursuers. In his eyes there was a great appeal. "'Leave me be, can't you? Leave me be for a minute?' The youth recoiled. "'Why, Jim,' he said in a dazed way, "'what's the matter with you?' The tall soldier turned and, lurching dangerously, went on. The youth and tattered soldier followed, sneaking as if whipped, feeling unable to face the stricken man if he should again confront them. They began to have thoughts of a solemn ceremony. There was something right-like, in these movements, of the doomed soldier, and there was a resemblance in him to a devotee of a mad religion, blood-sucking, muscle-wrenching, bone-crushing. They were awed and afraid. They hung back, lest he have, at command, a dreadful weapon. At last they saw him stop and stand motionless. Hastening up, they perceived that his face wore an expression, telling that he had at last found the place for which he had struggled. His spare figure was erect. His bloody hands were quietly at his side. He was waiting with patience for something that he had come to meet. He was at the rendezvous. They paused and stood, expectant. There was a silence. Finally, the chest of the doomed soldier began to heave with a strained motion. It increased in violence until it was as if an animal was within, and was kicking and tumbling furiously to be free. This spectacle of gradual strangulation made the youth writhe, and once, as his friend rolled his eyes, he saw something in them that made him think. Wailing to the ground, he raised his voice in a last supreme call. Jim! Jim! "'Jim!' The tall soldier opened his lips and spoke. He made a gesture. "'Leave me be. Don't touch me. Leave me be.' There was another silence while he waited. Suddenly his form stiffened and straightened. Then it was shaken by a prolonged hog. He stared into space. To the two watchers there was a curious and profound dignity in the firm lines of his awful face. He was invaded by a creeping strangeness that slowly enveloped him. For a moment the tremor of his legs caused him to dance a sort of hideous hornpipe. His arms beat wildly about his head in expression of implacent enthusiasm. His tall figure stretched itself to its full height. There was a slight rending sound. Then it began to swing forward, slow, straight, in the manner of a falling tree a swift, muscular concorsion, made the left shoulder strike the ground first. The body seemed to bounce a little away from the earth. "'God!' said the tattered soldier. The youth had watched Bellbound, this ceremony at the place of meaning. His face had been twisted into an expression of every agony he had imagined for his friend. He now sprang to his feet and, going closer, gazed upon the paste-like face. The mouth was open and the teeth showed in a laugh. As the flap of the blue jacket fell away from the body, he could see that the side looked as if it had been chewed by wolves. The youth turned with sudden livid rage toward the battlefield. He shook at his fist. He seemed about to deliver a philippic. HELL! The red sun was pasted in the sky like a wafer. End of chapter 9